If you need a little encouraging, listen in. We are going to pump you up if you love to learn from other people's stories. Get out your notebook. My guest is a phenomenal storyteller. Today on Plan Go Plan, I have with me a wildly energetic, successful encourager, Mitch Matthews. He is the creator of the Dream Think Do podcast. He's also a successful coach, a serial entrepreneur, and a best-selling author. He is getting it done, folks, and his Dream Think Do podcast helps people around the world to dream bigger, think better, and do more of what they were created to do. It has been ranked number one by the Huffington Post and is in the top 0.5% of all podcasts. Um, in addition to the podcast, Mitch has been a success coach and speaker since 2002, and he has worked with clients and audiences all over the world. He has also built a business training program that helps thousands of life and success coaches. But most importantly, he is a husband, a dad, and a lifelong learner, and he is living a highly caffeinated life in Des Moines, Iowa. I am pumped. I am jazzed. I am so energized to have the opportunity to have him share his wisdom with you. So gear up. We are dreaming. We are thinking. And we are doing, folks. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of planning or goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If that sounds like you, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan podcast. I'm Danielle McGue. I'm a professor, mom, and business owner. I started this podcast to help hardworking women and high-achieving mamas plan and set goals playfully and lightly. Unlike pressure-filled approaches, Plan Goal Plan centers on what delights you to help you envision all the possibilities your future holds. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I'm going to guide you through practices that will help you plan for clarity, set goals for direction, and act with purpose and delight. Let's get started. I am so super excited for today's guest. Mitch Matthews. I met Mitch about a month ago. We were actually both serving as critics for the Allstate Festival, which is for Iowa speech students. So it's high schoolers from all over the state of Iowa get together and it's a huge celebration of the best of the best performances. And I love this day. I love it. I I pretend like I am on The Voice that I'm like Alicia Keys, I channel my best hype girl, and I just get to cheer on these amazing high schoolers all day. But so I'm sitting at this Allstate Festival, and um, they amount Mitch Matthews as also a critic. They say that he has this podcast, Dream, Think, Do. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And so I'm like, hey, Mitch, you know, I have a baby podcast. And I go home and I look up his podcast and my jaw hits the floor. I'm like, oh, he's like kind of a big deal. <laughs> and <laughs> and and I just kind of like put myself out there and I was a little kind of embarrassed about it. But he was Love so it. awesome. I reached out to him again and he said that he would he would come on Plan Go Plan and chat with you all. So I'm so excited. I feel so honored to have him here today. Mitch, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what led you to where you are today as a podcaster, as an author, as a success coach, like, tell me your story. 
I love it. Okay. Well, one, I love your boldness because it's like, Hey, why not ask, right? Like you don't ask, you don't get. So I love that you reached out about that. Plus I've been listening to your podcast. It's dang good. You're, you're handling this. You call yourself a newbie. You're handling this like a pro. So I, I just know this thing's going to be successful because it's just packed so much gold and I'm honored to be here. I love it. So a little bit about me, uh, just like you said, I'm a coach, a speaker, and a podcaster uh, kind of came in that order. I added the podcasting back in 2016, and it's kind of proof positive that even a blind squirrel can find a nut. Uh, because if you stay at stay with something long enough, oftentimes it works out. And so we've been doing it uh, for a number of years now, and and it's wild to say we're in the top. I think they said 0.5 percent now of all podcasts. <laughs> But the big thing is like the driving factor to my coaching, my speaking, and especially the podcasting is curiosity. I grew up kind of a scared kid and had all sorts of health issues because of that. Uh, you know, health issues that kind of made doctors scratch their heads saying, I don't know what's wrong with him, but he's very sick. So, but later on in life, I figured out that the opposite of bravery, or excuse me, the opposite of fear is not bravery. The opposite of fear is curiosity. And so I just started to get curious about stuff. Um, and that's what helped me to build my coaching and speaking business. Uh, I just got curious, like, how would somebody do that? What does that look like? How does that work? And then with podcasting, as you know, now podcasting is this great excuse to reach out to people and just say, Hey, you're cool. You're doing cool stuff. Can we talk like with a podcast? You've got this excuse to say, Hey, let's talk. And uh, so it's great. And that's what we've been able to do. And, and I've had, best-selling authors and Oscar winners and, and celebrities and those kinds of things on, uh, you know, people that, that people would know, but some of my favorite conversations are with people that you've never heard of, but have these amazing, you know, life-changing conversations that, that really can impact people. I just love those kinds of things. So it's a little bit of what we do. My, yeah, my day job is to coach and speak. Um, and then, you know, uh, podcasting was added to that and I love all of it. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yes, it's so awesome getting a chance to connect with all sorts of different people. And I love what you have to say about curiosity. I think a lot as an educator, I think a lot about like, how do you cultivate a posture of curiosity? Um, same yeah. with, you know, being a parent as, you know, how do I teach my kids to be curious because yep. it's such a gift. Yep. Such a gift. Absolutely. It is. It really is. And it's, you know, it's, especially if you grow up a little bit weird, like I grew up a little weird, you know, I grew up in a small town. I love my small town. I grew up in Newton, but I was a little weird. I wasn't into the same sports that everybody was into. I, no, I shouldn't say that. I wasn't good at the same sports that most people were good at. So I had to kind of cultivate a curiosity into other things. And the same thing with our boys, like our boys were actually pretty athletically talented. They just weren't all that interested in the typical sports. So when they were eight and 10, I just started to say, all right, well, what could you be interested in? What are you like naturally interested in? You know, we were talking about that. They liked going to movies, watching movies, all those kinds of things. So I was like, all right, well, let's make a movie. And so we, our first movie was a Lego stop motion movie, which we <laughs> all realized was way too much work than we wanted to do. And so the next thing was to say, all right, let's make a movie movie. And I had a, a little flip camera. I don't know if you remember the old flip camera with the one red dot technology, but I had them storyboard out a story and it was a Lego agent's story. They were into Legos. So we were like, all right, let's just be human Legos. 
and uh, had them storyboarded out. And we made their first live action movie when they were eight and 10. And now my older son is in the military, but he's also a screenwriter and has optioned screenplays. My younger son is a professional actor, working actor, and is actually filming a full full feature right now. They've made 30, I think 30, 35 short films together. And it, it, curiosity was at the foundation of all of that. So I always say, if you're weird or not, just get curious about stuff. And it's amazing where it can lead you. Absolutely. I feel like if you are a curious person, you never get bored. You right. never get bored. I sometimes don't understand people that get bored. Your your podcast is called Dream think, do. Yes. And you've worked with all sorts of people. You've interviewed yep. really successful people. You coach people. Yeah. You get an opportunity to go and speak and interact with people. Yeah. My question is, do you find that people struggle the most with dreaming, thinking, or doing? Like, is yeah. there an aspect of that that like right. is tripping people up? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that question. And also, I love the differentiation that you're already on to the fact that those are three very separate things. Some people hear that and go, oh, that's a catchy name. And I, I you know, always hope that people click with you know, good branding or whatever, but it actually is a process, right? We need to dream and then we need to think and then we need to do. And what's interesting is, is that you know, if, if my goal is to help people to dream bigger, think better and do more of what they were put on the planet to do, we have to separate those things out because what's interesting is, is so often people will start thinking too early. Like thinking is good. And when we say thinking, that means planning. Like this is totally in your wheelhouse, right? <laughs> Setting goals and all of those things. But if we start to plan too early, oftentimes what we're going to get is we're going to get incremental dreams, little improvements over where we're at. But if we allow ourselves to dream first, say, what if, like, what if that was possible? How could we do that? Um, then what, what, what happens is oftentimes it allows us to achieve something that might even seem like a quantum leap forward because we didn't start planning too early. I, you know, example of this is, is John Howard, who in the eighties was a bike enthusiast, a bicycle enthusiast. And he was trying to generate awareness for biking and, and getting more people on bikes and things. And, and uh, he basically was like, hey, I wonder how fast somebody could go on a bike. When you think about this, it's such a great illustration of how most people start to then think too early. So people, what they started to do was they started to do what we call comparison planning, meaning that they would compare either what they know or what they've done to the goal. So like when John said, hey, you know, how fast do you think somebody could go? They would do what we all do. Go, well, I've gone 25 mile an hour on a bike and that's pretty fast. That's kind of scary when I was going down that big hill outside Cedar Falls, Iowa, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. um, or to say, well, I think those guys in the Tour de France with the two tight shorts, uh, those guys are going like 70 down a hill. So like 70, 75. And, and John instead said, what if somebody could go 150 miles an hour on a bike. What if, how could you do that? What would that look like? He started with a dream and then he started a plan. And what's crazy is in 1985, John Howard actually went 154 mile an hour on a bike that he powered 
But when you see pictures of it, you'll know why, because he first got drugged behind a race car, a specifically designed race car that drug him up to 150 mile an hour, or excuse me, 125 mile an hour. And then he got the rest of the way there by pedaling his own. Now, no one even thought that was possible at the time, but he started with a what if instead of a how. He didn't go to the how too early, right? So I think sometimes we do that. Like we get so tripped up to say, oh, I think this is my dream, but I don't have the, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time off. I don't know the, the right people. I don't have experience with that. We start, you know, we start thinking and planning too early to be able to, we need to spend a little bit more time with that dream to say, all right, what if, what if that did happen? How might that happen? Right. Who do we know that's done it? How could I be learning from them? Those kinds of things. Staying a little bit longer in the dreaming and then moving into thinking. I'm a big plan. That's why I love your show. I love the episode that you just did on paper journals, which I'm a huge fan of. And you got to have the right pen. I love that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> she knows because you got to have the right pen. There's only one pen, right? Absolutely. Um, like you got to, you got to plan. It's great. But just don't move into planning too early because that's oftentimes what shuts people down. It's one of the things. It's one of the things that shuts people down. I, I love all the talk of the what if, and it doesn't surprise me that your children are in some of the professions that they're in because, so one of my jobs is I run a small theater at UNI. It's called the Interpreters Theater. Love and it. in theater, the what if, right? So whether you're, you know, doing um, script writing or acting, yeah. the what if has so much power yeah. because it does, it allows us to imagine and of course, in the theater, we bring people into that space to imagine together. Yep. And I think that the work that you're doing is really similar, right? Asking people to imagine, you know, to find their what if, to imagine, and um, to then, you know, work to make that a reality. True. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, how do you approach, you know, thinking and doing? Yeah, I love it. So, you know, to me, part of it is is uh, kind of giving yourself space, but also maybe more importantly, giving yourself permission. A lot of times people, I mean, even before we hit record, we were talking about some of the things you and I are working on, right? And it's so easy to to look at something and list out the things you don't know how to do or the things, the obstacles that are in front of you, right? And And so often we live in a world, it's a permission-based world where we oftentimes have to wait for somebody to give us permission to join a team, to come to a school, to be a part of a program, to come and work for an organization that's permission-based. That's good, right? It keeps, it keeps order. There's lines that are good and healthy, right? But it also sometimes then makes it, it habit forming that we then wait. We have to wait until we're a part of a program to pursue a dream or to wait until someone says, yes, you're the right person for this to actually get started on something. And I love what Seth Godin, one of my favorite authors says, he's like, reject the tyranny of permission, choose yourself. Uh, and I think that that is so, so important. So oftentimes if someone starts to get clear on a goal or a dream, part of it starts with permission to say, all right, I'm going to give myself permission to learn. I'm going to give yes. my give myself permission to be a newbie. I'm going to give myself permission to be a novice. I think this is even more important for highly successful people than it is for people that are lazy and never do any stuff, right? Because highly successful people, they kind of get used to being successful. So the thought of trying something new where they may in fact fail, 
yeah. is extra scary, right? Because they might feel more visible, or maybe it's just been a while since they've gone down in flames and something. One of the things is give yourself permission, literally to be a novice, to try something new. Because when you give yourself permission to be a novice, you that doesn't mean you aren't going to try to achieve something. That doesn't mean you're not going to try to plan, you know, and then get clear on a goal and then go after it, right? And achieve it. Um, but it does mean you're going to give yourself a little bit of space to learn, to know that sometimes you're going to learn more from the times where you fail or when it goes down in flames than when it goes right. And that's that oftentimes happens with a lot of my coaching clients. I work with high-level executives and entrepreneurs, founders. These are wildly successful people. What's what's interesting is, is that when people achieve success in one area, that can be really dangerous. Because and you see this happen so often where you'll see, especially celebrities, because they're more highly visible, but it, they're on a trajectory that so many successful people have. It's just a lot of successful people aren't as visible is they start to have that success. And then basically they wind up spending a bunch of time trying to not change anything because they don't want to break what's happened. But if we spend all of our time trying to not change, that gets real boring and almost impossible to maintain, right? You see, especially the celebrities, the actors. I mean, that's obviously something we talk about a lot in our household. It's the actors who are continual, continually finding those roles where they can stretch themselves, where they may in fact go down in flames. Those are the ones who, yeah, they may have a bad movie here or there, a bad TV show once in a while, but those are still, those are the actors who are still in love with the craft. And the same thing happens with entrepreneurs. It's, it's so often where I was working with an executive who had a company, he built a company. It was really successful, but he was bored, bored as the day is long. And I was like, Hey, you know, part of it was, he's like, should I quit? Should I sell the company? Should I give the company to my kids? What should I do? I got to get the fire back. And I was like, well, your work is not the only place to find that fire. For some <laughs> people, it's like, what if you picked up a hobby? What if you picked up a jobby? Something on the side with, you know, doesn't have to have the pressure of producing income right away, but it may in fact help you to learn. It may in fact give you something new to focus on and try. You know, we've had a lot of people, uh, that's some of what I've done with some of my clients is find that, that new thing. And for some of them, it just stays a hobby, but they love it. For others, it's become the thing eventually. Uh, Sean Askinosi, not one of my clients, but I've had him on my show. And he was, this was like the example. Sean was the example and he's down in Kansas he uh, was a almost an unbeaten public defender, uh, wildly, wildly successful in the the you know the courtroom, and um, to like exactly what we're talking about, started to kind of fall out of love with his day job, which he had been very very good at, and he had entered because of a passion for you know justice and taking care of people and treating people well and all of those things, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to take some night classes on chocolate. I like chocolate. Like who doesn't like chocolate? And so he took these night classes on chocolate and started to realize like, Hey, he's really good at it. You really enjoyed it. But then he started to realize, and this is kind of like, I know you talk a lot about purpose and, and finding yeah. your purpose and those kinds of things. Sean started to look, get curious about chocolate and started to realize that there was a lot of good that was happening, but there was also a lot of bad 
that was happening. Like he went and he followed, he basically went back and followed like, how was it made all the way to the farmers that are producing these beans. And he realized a lot of the farmers are not making money. They're barely making it. Uh, the big companies were kind of squeezing them, those kinds of things. And so Sean was like, you know what? I'm just going to explore working with these farmers and started out as a hobby, became a jobby. Now it's his full-time thing where he not only has a very unique relationship with a number of farmers all around the world, he has an open book policy where they actually get to see and they profit share. They get to see his books, full transparency, basically has his books translated in the different languages that they speak. All of that, he's got stuff all over Central America, South America, and the Philippines. Um, and he actually profit shares with his farmers and he's been wildly successful. Askinosi Chocolate, uh, wildly successful, uh, is one of Oprah's favorites, which changed everything for him. Uh, Forbes has actually tapped them as one of the most innovative companies in America. And it all came out of this hobby to jobby to, you know, passion project that's now actually also financially successful. And he's no longer in the courtroom, but he feels like he's bringing justice. Those stories are so phenomenal. And I also want to take a moment to just appreciate the word jobby. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, really, I really love the word jobby. Uh, it's so, it's so interesting. I've had at least three conversations just in this past week with women in their early forties, very similar place to me, kind of talking about how do I keep growing? And we're like, is this what the midlife crisis feels like? We right. think be more, I don't know, crisis-y or exciting, but like it actually just sort of feels like stagnation and trying yeah. to figure out what exactly is the thing that we need to do and is it in your job or is it yep. in your personal life to make sure that the curiosity stay, stay sparked and that we continue to grow as humans. And, and yeah. I think- I've just heard that over and over again. So one of the things that you said at the beginning of this podcast, and I've heard you mention this um, in other work that you do, that it's about helping people figure out what they're made to do, which is yeah. really purpose, right? Yep. So yep. I wanted to know from your perspective, like what is purpose and how do people actually find it? So how do, yeah. they, how do they find that jobby? How do you find yeah. out that you like making chocolate? By the way, I kind of hope that happens to me. Like, I hope I fall in love with chocolate. I, yeah, right. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And it's funny because we, we talked, he's a great, great guy and he runs the company with his daughter. And one of the things before I hit record, you probably had this experience too, where you get to have these conversations and you laugh. And I was like, here's the thing, Sean. I said, you look amazingly fit for a guy who has chocolate. I said, if I had a chocolate company, I would be at least 50 to a hundred more pounds. Like I'll take some of that chocolate. I'll try yes. some of that. He's like, yes, you have to have a serious exercise program when you do this. I was like, ah, absolutely. So I love it. <laughs> so one of the things with purpose, it's such, it's such an interesting conversation because I love this conversation, but I also am really cautious to say, Hey, don't get wrapped around the axle on purpose, right? There are so many people that have been stuck for a decade trying to figure out their purpose and they've lost all 10 years because they did, they're not any further than they were before. So I'm a big fan of, if you're searching for purpose, remember three P's. If you're going for purpose, that's one of your P's. One of the best things to look for is because some people just innately understand a sense of why they were put on the planet that, you know, those people, they're just people 
who just seem like they came out of the womb knowing exactly what they were supposed to do. That is a very small percentage of people. And some of the people that act like that don't feel as confident as they, you know, they seem to be on the inside, but there are a few people that just seem to know their purpose. God bless them. Right. Most of us are like, what the hell? Like, what, what am I supposed to do? Right. And I do believe that purpose can shift over time. Absolutely. I think your purpose, like there's foundational aspects of your purpose that are probably timeless, but there are certain things that actually are going to present themselves more or, or feel more a part of who you are in certain seasons. Like uh, both of our sons are now grown adults. I love them dearly, but the amount of time that I spend with them now is different than the time that I spent with them when they were growing up and, and living here, all those things. So still just as passionate, but our relationship has changed. So my passion and my purpose around being a dad has also changed, right? I love them. I support them, but the way that looks is different, right? So know that there are aspects of your purpose that are going to probably shift over time, right? Same thing with the job, same thing with careers, you know, all of those things. Now I always say there's three P's. One is purpose. Like we're trying to figure out purpose, but some people that's really, really clear. Other people it's nebulous or they've had seasons where they felt like they were clear, but they're no longer clear. And I said, well, let's mine the other two P's. The other two P's are passion. What are you passionate about? What are some of those things that you would just do whether you were getting paid or not? I mean, we talked about before you hit record that you were training people up on and plan goal plan, uh, you know, when nobody was paying. Right. And I love that, that, because that's an indicator of you were doing this for the right reasons. Look for those things you're doing, whether you get paid or not. Passion is a good thing to mine. Now for some people though, it, it's been a while since they felt passionate. Maybe they got really, really business. And I'm talking about, or really, really busy. I'm talking about successful people. There are successful people who are by all, you know, all brackets, they are winning. They have, they're, they're doing a great job at their work. They're leading a team. They've got a beautiful home, maybe a beautiful family, but the fire started to go out. Maybe the world doesn't know it, but they know it. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes it's tough for them to, to like mine passion. Other people, it's like, oh, I know. I know one thing. I know one thing, right? That's great. The other, the third P though, to mine. So passion is one of those. The, the third one is what pisses you off? Oh, what do you get pissed good. about? Yeah. Right? What, what, what just angers you? Sean, as an example, when he started to look up and down the bean line, right? The, the, the coffee bean or the, the, the chocolate bean or whatever, right? He started to get pissed at how these farmers were being treated. Farmers he'd never met before, but his initial reaction, once he heard how the system worked, he was enraged. Yeah. That's something to mine. Same thing. Like when I go and give a keynote, I, I won't, I won't name any organizations, but this happens all the time. I was asked to go speak at a fortune 100 company, a uh, big meeting in their headquarters. Um, happens all the time. I get invited to go. They say, go to the security desk at this thing. Uh, I'll come and get you. Sure enough. This is what happened. I'm sitting in this big huge lobby, gorgeous lobby, watching people go by me, you know, uh, people coming to work, going, you know, leaving for lunch, all this kind of stuff. And I see there's a certain amount of people that are just gray. It's a beautiful workplace. I'm sure they get paid well. They're dressed to the nines, but the light is out. 
They are not walking there because they can't wait to get to their work. They are walking there because they got a mortgage, two car payments, uh, you know, other responsibilities, and they're just doing the work. They're gray. That pisses me off. I look at all that potential and go, ah, these people are in the wrong seats on the bus. We got to get them a way to fire, you know, fire up. We got to find a way to help them get to the right seat on the bus, right? Like that pisses me off. What's interesting about passion is I've often found that passions will change in different seasons, but what pisses you off rarely changes. <laughs> so that's something to mine as well. Say, all right, what are some of the things that piss me off? And to say, all right, you know, some things you can take action on. Some things, maybe it's because your newsfeed and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff know how to push your buttons. That's not the thing. Like, what is it? Is it justice? Is it, is it helping people thrive? Whatever it might be. What are those things when you see the world and it needs to change, where do you feel called to, to like play a part in that? And that goes back to that permission. Sometimes we have to give ourselves permission to play a small, but significant part. Where could we, how could we start? Sean just went and met with a farmer once and realized I think this is actually a lot easier to fix than anybody else, you know, and anybody thinks, but at the same time, he's like, so why not? We just try with one farm in our little chocolate place, you know, and they, and they did, and that's how it worked. So just mind those things. You know, if you already know what your passion or your, your purpose is wonderful, God bless you. I think there's about 2% of you, the rest of us, Mind what you're passionate about, mind what pisses you off. And there's a good chance you'll find purpose in there somewhere. I love the question, what pisses you off? What yeah. is, you know, one of the reasons I love it is that it honors anger as an emotion that produces clarity. And yep. I think that's so important. And to recognize that when you have those moments of anger, you should get curious about them. That's exactly right. Comes back, them. back around to curiosity. <laughs> that's exactly right. Because there are, you're exactly right. Some people will register that as, ooh, anger. I need to push that down. That's bad. It's like, no, anger is just a light on the dashboard to go, okay, well, if that's red lighting, what's going on? What do we need to pay attention to? What's, what's happening? Like something might literally piss you off in your feed or when you walk by the USA today and the gas station and you see a headline, you're like, ah, it's like, okay, well, is there something you could actually do, you know, to be a part of a solution? Now, some of it is literally stuff just to ignite you and to light you up, those kinds of things. But if you see consistencies and, and you can revisit that, mine that a little bit and go, okay, what is it? Is it justice? Is it you're, you're wanting to create hope? You're wanting to create change, whatever it might be. So yeah, I love it. I love it. That's so great. What I'm trying to think about here is the yeah. relationship between doing and purpose. Mm -hmm. At the very beginning, you were talking about thinking, sometimes tripping people yep. up, that they spend time thinking. What I've really noticed, you know, working with people and with myself is that Sometimes I spend so much time thinking about my purpose, but I need to figure out purpose through doing. Yes. Like I need That's to exactly act. Right. That's exactly I, you know, right. Almost don't think just to act. Yep. Um, I love it. Well, and I, I think that's exactly right. Like you helped to bring this around to absolute truth. Some people say, well, once I figure out my purpose, then I'll do. Once I figure out my purpose, then I'll take action. And I would say it's the exact opposite of that. It is, to your point, you find purpose as the result of taking action. You don't find it first. You find it on the other side, right? Because like Sean, when he started this process, he just gave himself permission to take a night class. 
He just gave himself permission to get curious about the industry, to read some stuff, watch a TED talk, you know, those kinds of things. But, and when he started this journey, honestly, if you would have said, Hey, you're going to find purpose by working with farmers around the world, making better chocolate with your daughter, he probably would have laughed. Like literally he was a a killer in the courtroom, right? Like just amazing. But because of that process and it, it kind of, he allowed it to reveal itself over time. It actually worked. Right. And I, I, I am a recovering perfectionist. I always believe in being very transparent about my issues. I am a recovering perfectionist. And I know for me, it is really, really tempting to think I have to have it all figured out before I start, but rarely does that work, right? You have to give yourself permission to begin and then figure it out as you go. So if people are looking to figure it out yes. um, as they go, um, what are some ways that they can connect to you, learn more from you, work with yeah. you? I love it. Absolutely. So then go to MitchMatthews.com. MitchMatthews.com helps to explain kind of who it is that I am and what I do, but it also will point you to Dream Think Do um, as uh, you know a podcast that we we put out episodes all the time. Um, so that's exciting. So people can find out more about me that way. We also have a brand new podcast called Encouraging the Encouragers, which is specifically for the encouragers in the world. People like you, people who are coaches, speakers, content creators who are working hard at encouraging the world to be all that it's created to be. Um, the encouraging the encouragers is, is just their quick burst daily episodes to just keep you encouraged, but also help you move towards actually maybe getting paid well for what you do there. So that's a new kind of passion project for me. It's one of those where it's like, sometimes you start stuff knowing, I don't know if this will work. I think it might, but even if it doesn't, it's going to be important thing to do. Um, and it's working, it's working pretty cool, but it's, it, that one's also fun. It's for a smaller audience, but it's, uh, for an audience that, uh, uh, boy, they, they seem to love it and they appreciate the encouragement. So if you're in that, if you're a coach, a creator, a, uh, you know, a speaker, or you're wanting to be one of those things, you can check out encouraging the encouragers as well. Awesome. Well, thank you yeah. so much for today. It's been a joy. I love, love, love your energy. And, you know, um, you have me, you have me dreaming, you have me thinking. And um, after we get done, I need to get to work. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I love it. Well, this is awesome. It's such an honor. And I do believe you are on a trajectory where this show, I think, is going to make a big, big difference and touch a lot of people. But I have a feeling it's going to be a, a household name soon, just because of your heart, but also the wisdom that you're putting behind it too. And, and you're being generous with your content. So I know people are going to find it. And uh, I believe they'll find it right when they need it, which is perfect. Thank you so much. You're yep. so encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> if this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcasts. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all. So pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.